2: And now, Canada's most beloved family drama, The Whetstones, starring Darby Rosebush and Ambrose Hunter. Episode 71,
0: The Door. Okay, hon. Gotta head off to work.
3: Okay, are you going to the front door?
0: Front door, yeah, you bet.
3: Latch the back door then, and then when you leave, I'll take the dogs out the side door.
0: If that's any trouble, I could go oot the back door and come back in the side door and latch the back door.
3: Gee, that's considerate, honey, but the dogs like the side door just fine, so if you go oot the back door, latch the front door first, and when I come back in, I'll see to the back door.
0: I'm sorry, honey.
3: What is it, dear?
0: It just seems like I've stirred up a big fuss with the door again.
3: No, no, it's fine, honey. You use the front door, I'll go oot the back, and we'll just latch the side.
0: If you're sure it's
2: okay. Tune in next week when the
0: whetstones close the windows.
3: Oh, it sure looks like it's going to rain, hon. Can you close the downstairs windows?
0: The upstairs windows are the ones that get a soaking.
3: Canadians are so nice. Okay, maybe a little boring, but definitely nice. Can they be funny, too? On today's show, our salute to Canadian humor. And now the guy who thinks the whetstone should have a formature mature audiences warning. Colin McEnroe.
2: So this is a real story. Uh, just a couple hours ago, because we're actually recording this at, at 10 o'clock in the morning for complicated reasons. Anyway, so don't call in. That's the first thing I should tell you. As fascinated as you may become as, and as impelled as you may be, Uh, to add your two cents uh, about Canadian humor and comedy, please don't call in. Well, you can call in, but no one will answer the phone. So please don't call in because that will upset you. Uh, But anyway, I I digress. So earlier today, I'm stopping at the place where I always stop every day to get a a latte. And so I'm getting my latte, and I'm waiting for them to make the latte. And I'm actually reading Canadian humor uh, on my iPad, or at least humorous Canadian uh, fiction on my iPad, but nobody knows that. And this guy walks up to me <laughs> who I don't quite recognize, although I think maybe I know him or something. This guy walks up to me and says, I'd kiss you if I didn't have puke breath. And then we both smile and laugh and he walks away and I'm thinking, that's gotta be because there's a promo on the air, you know, for the last twenty four hours saying we're doing a show about Canadian humor and it sounds like something one of the Mackenzie brothers would have said. And then so I went home I went I I can't obviously go through the day having a total stranger say that to me, and and not knowing what it means, so I immediately came here and googled that. And indeed, it is uh, some of the deathless uh, prose from uh, from Strange Brew, the uh, McKenzie Bros. So I'm just saying, everybody has their own little take. That's what that guy's take on Canadian uh, humor and comedy is. Uh, the, the take that we're going to have is a broader one. It's going to encompass uh, comic or humorous fiction, but it's also we are going to take a, a hard look at the Canadian invasion which happened much more quietly than the British invasion, but the Canadian invasion, which really did kind of overwhelm American comedy. I think it's fair to say, when you really sort of add up uh, all of the Canadian presences now in, in American comic life, uh, I, I think they 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 wield a bigger axe uh, or shovel, in the case of one of Trevor Cole's characters, than, uh, than, than does uh, American comedy itself. Homegrown comedy. Forget about homegrown com- comedy. We're all Canadian now. But before I introduce the guests, I feel like we're not I feel like I'm not in a Canadian enough mood. I feel like there's there's a Canadian vibe that needs to get going here. So, um, wolfie could you play that clip for me?
3: Hey, hey I'm uh, I'm
2: not
0: a lumberjack or a fur trader, and I don't live in an igloo or eat blubber or own a dog sled. And I don't know Jimmy, Sally, or Susie from Canada, although I'm certain they're really really nice. Uh, I have a prime minister, not a president. I speak English and French, not American, and I pronounce it about, not a boot. I can proudly sew my country's flag on my backpack. I believe in peacekeeping, not policing, diversity, not assimilation, and that the beaver is a truly proud and noble animal. A toot is a hat, a Tesla Field is a coach,
1: and it is pronounced Zed! Not Zed! Canada is the second largest landmass, the first nation of hockey, and the best
3: part of my name is Joe, and I am Canadian.
2: Thank you. Okay, now I'm in a Canadian mood. Uh, so joining us now, speaking of guys named Joe, it's uh, Joe Curtis is with us. Uh, he's uh, a novelist, uh, uh, author of many books, including uh, Gratitude, which won a National Canadi- uh, Canadian National Jewish Book Award uh, and the U.S. National uh, Book Award. The Canadian one is the important one uh, for fiction. His first novel, Winter Tulips, won the Stephen Leacock Award for humor in 1989. And that's a big part of uh, why we're about to have this conversation, which I will now I will explain to you in about two seconds what's going on here. Uh, Trevor Cole. Is the author uh, of the books uh, Norman Bray and the Performance of His Life, Fearsome Particles, and Relevantly Practical Gene, which won the uh, aforementioned Leacock Medal in 2011. Fred Addis is the curator of the Leacock Museum and the producer of the annual Leacock <laughs> Summer Festival. And I realize, half, you know, three-quarters of the audience is going, ooh, what? Peacock? What is that? <laughs> uh, so we, we better explain this uh, right away. So uh, uh, let me—I'm going to let, let them—I swear I'll let them talk in a second or two. But— um, The Twain House, they do all kinds of things, the Mark Twain House uh, here in Hartford. And usually if it's something, you know, that they think might interest the show, they call us up or, you know, they'll email us and say. But I actually noticed this. I said, wait a minute. You're doing a whole thing on Canadian humor and you haven't contacted me? You're you're not contemplating doing a whole show with me? Because, in fact— these two medal winners, plus a third uh, medal winner, Dan Needles, uh, will uh, be at the Mark Twain House and Museum on Thursday of this week at 7 p.m. for a free talk and reading. That's assuming that Trevor Cole recovers from his lake-related... Uh, what do you, <laughs> fell into a lake? That's like a, can, such a Canadian thing. Lake Ontario. Yes, <laughs> yeah. middle of Lake Ontario. That's such a Canadian thing to have happen to you. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like it at the time. Yeah. So anyways, he's struggling a little bit with his voice today. It'll, he'll be fine by Thursday, though. Um, and, and just in a little, little minute, you're going to meet uh, Andrew Clark. He's the author of Stan and deliver inside Canadian comedy. Uh, We'll talk about that Canadian invasion. But let's meet these guys first and find out a little bit about... Well, let's find out about this name I keep sending, Leacock, uh, Stephen Leacock. Fred Addis, uh, uh, give us uh, the thumbnail description of Stephen Leacock. He should be a household name in uh, the United States, but somehow he is not.
0: Yeah, perhaps uh, the the best-known Canadian uh, prior to World War I, uh, a very extensive publishing uh, record... uh, uh, over 65 uh, books and hundreds of newspaper and magazine articles, um, much of it uh, published in the United States. Uh, uh, I, I guess, in, in fairness, uh, he's often called Canada's Mark Twain, but really, um, uh, born in England, uh, but grew up on a small farm in, 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 uh, in Ontario and uh, literally uh, used the world as his uh, stepping stone to, to (laughs) of all things, he was an academic, um, uh, (laughs) he he taught uh, political science and economics, so perhaps that's the root of all of his humor. But um, uh, he, uh, 1869, uh, died in 1944. Uh, The Leacock Medal has been awarded continuously since 1947 for the best book of Canadian humor published uh, in that year. And so it's a tremendous legacy, but uh, like the uh, uh, Mark, Twain House and Museum, we we do lots of things with contemporary writers and uh, therefore people such as the gentleman uh, around me here this morning uh, often cross our paths and our lives are richer for it.
2: I will now um, exhibit my my very puny Leacock chops uh, and say, the, first of all, I, I was obs- I have been obsessed for much of my adult life with Robertson Davies. And Robertson Davies was kind of obsessed with Stephen Leacock. So that's how yes. I found out who Stephen Leacock was. Uh, and and I would say, although that Mark Twain thing, it does that parallel, gets drawn a lot. And, of course, Leacock himself was very interested in Twain and wrote about Twain. You know, I mean, Leacock's really more, he's probably closer to the James Thurber uh, of, of Canada if we were going to make these kinds of inventions invidious uh inter-country comparisons and a little bit the precursor to garrison keeler too i mean his his love of small town life and uh and and the, the little the, the the small undramatic mysteries that somehow or other become very funny uh, you know whether they're in mariposa or just some unnamed comic venue he reminds me more uh, of those guys than he does
0: uh of twain i don't know react to that though fred Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I'm a a huge Thurber fan myself and uh, grew up near the border at about 17 minutes uh, west of Buffalo on the Lake Erie shoreline. And of course, uh, Garrison Keillor was a huge part of uh, my entertainment from NPR in the States. And uh, I I would agree with you. It's the same kind of thing. Um, Leacock was... uh, he he was uh, he, he was poor growing up. Uh, he was one of uh, eleven children, but uh, very soon made his mark. Whereas uh, as we know, Mark Twain had a lot of financial difficulties later in his career. So they came at it from different ends of the spectrum. But uh, but I agree with you. Uh, Thurber for me is 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 one of my all time favorites.
2: Well, that's more Canadian, right? Slow and steady wins the race. You don't go plowing your money into some crazy printing press. You know you don't even know if it's going to work. Uh, right. Or a so, typewriter. I think it was a typewriter. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's right. The, um, the, you know, let's just uh, talk to these writers here a little bit I mean, you know, for both of you And Joe Curtis, I'm going to start with you But uh, for both of you, obviously Writers, for the most part, really hate being defined I mean, I'm guessing both of you think of yourselves as novelists As opposed to humorous or comic novelists Or and, and as novelists as opposed to Canadian novelists But, mm-hmm. um, but Joe Curtis, t- w- with what level of comfort do you wear Either one of those titles Comic slash humorous novelist and Canadian novelist why that's that's a
4: far more complicated question than than you'd expect uh, i mean i'm a i am i'm an immigrant to canada myself i was 4 years old when we landed here as i was a refugee from hungary fleeing the russians uh so uh i'm really canadian i'm a naturalized canadian but it's a, it's i came you know feeling outside of everything outside of europe and and Arriving in Canada is a wonderful thing because they reinforce this sense of outsideness that you'll feel for the rest of your life, which is why I think Canadians are are funny. Um, I I guess, you know, I I, I do see myself as a comic novelist. I became a novelist, and so I I have a comic view of the world, so much of my writing is comic, although my last novel was not a comic novel. Uh, The next one is mixed. it's just, you know, I think the world's an absurd place and Canadians have a wonderful vantage point of, of the big elephant south of us. And so we're uh, uh, so the world is very funny to us. And, you know, we're generally actually quite morose. Uh,
2: <laughs> and, uh, um, well, um, although, you know, Robertson Davies said that, that humorists tend to be very serious men, uh, they just happen to express their serious thoughts, you know, with that particular Set of paints. Um, well, you know, I mean, I want to just pause over that. I mean, one of the things that people I think when people think about Canada, if they're thinking very in very crude and broad ways about Canada, which is how people in the United States think about many things, um, they, they, they think of, you know, some fusion of the McKenzie brothers and Dudley do or something. Uh, and and one of the things that gets lost is that that Canada is a nation of immigrants. Uh, really to a, a comparable extent, I think, um, to, to the United States and that the the stories and the literature of Canada is is a, a, a quite a mix and a mix of immigrant uh, literature. And I sense that you're writing in a tradition. There's that separate tradition in Canada, right? It's Mordecai Rickler and A.M. Klein. And I mean, there's like a whole tradition that you're part of that that maybe isn't that obvious to the American looking across the border.
4: I would say that that is true. Uh, it, it's quite different. It's really um, the literature is quite different. Um, we, you know, Canadians never give you the impression they own the world when they write. You know, it's a, th- maybe they give you the impression they are borrowing the world. I don't know what it is, but th- there's a there's a there's a less of a sense of belonging i i suppose in a, uh, among canadians and uh, a sense of insecurity it's a lack of hubris it. yeah, yes <laughs> it's a lack of hubris that's true and also don't forget we you know uh, canadians didn't rip ourselves from our mother's womb uh, holy britain we uh we uh you know the united empire loyalists from the us fled north and uh and we never uh, rebelled against uh, mother britain we still have a queen you know and uh so uh, we we evolved away from Britain. We did not uh, tear ourselves away as you did, and we we never uh, we never assert ourselves uh, to the same extent because we you know we don't have the same, <laughs> the sense of certainty and whatever.
2: Well, Trevor Cole, let me get you into the conversation here too. Um, you know, reading um, your fiction, reading a book like Practical Gene, I feel as though you are very acutely uh, at times playing the Canadian horn a, a, a little bit. I mean, you know, dinner... I would never have said that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean this in the most
2: incredibly effusively complimentary way. But, you know, if, if, you're gonna, if somebody's going to eat dinner, they're going to eat at Ted's Big Catch, um, which to me <laughs> sounds acutely Canadian. I mean, are you trying to get a, a Canadian voice into your prose?
5: No. No. In, in fact, I, I don't think of myself as a Canadian author. I think I happen to be Canadian mm. um but there are you know there are kind of a set uh number of tropes that uh people identify with Canadian fiction and I don't apply any of them to me um uh, I you know I don't have any I I don't, practical gene is interesting inter, inter, interesting you raise that one because it's the only place that I I've I've, uh, I've I've used setting really mm-hmm. um as a, as a background, as a, as opposed to just sort of a, a psychological landscape.
2: Um. So and I should I should have asked you the question that I asked Joe. To what degree do you wear with comfort uh, a, a title, an appellation like uh, humorous novelist, comic novelist, and Canadian novelist? Uh, it sounds like uh, that isn't necessarily a snug fit for you.
5: Well, um, I, I accept that w- what I uh, one of my talents or one of my um, um, bents is a comic approach, an ironic approach. Um, But I do chafe against uh, the labeling of of, uh, the work that I do. I I enjoy it when people uh, enjoy uh, my writing and laugh at it, Um, but uh, I'm trying for more than laughter. And uh, and so when I'm labeled a comic novelist, I I, uh, kind of grin and bear that um and and i you know i have no problem being identified as a canadian author i am a canadian author there's no there's no doubt about that but uh it's it was it's surprising to me that you would uh identify um canadian themes in practical genes since uh i just I don't see it, um, but uh, other than other than the fact that it takes place in a small town, um, I see it. You do, do? You? Yeah, uh, I, I, I feel but, like there's but, a very
2: Canadian voice to the prose too.
5: Yeah. You know, but what do I know? I'm from Hartford. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating to me. <laughs> I mean, the, the voice of Practical Jean is that of Jean uh, herself, and uh, even though it's written in the third person, um, and Jean Hormarsh uh, you know, is a small-town uh, middle-aged lady. Um, and so she has a particular sound, but you couldn't, uh, you wouldn't be able to say that that sound is, is found in any of my other books. Um, Jean is Jean, and she uh, has a kind of way.
2: I would even say that third person narrator, whoever he is, has a Canadian sound. I wish I had the prose in front of me right now. If I, if I try to get there on my iPad, I'm going to create a hole in the universe and we'll all be sucked into it. So, but I mean, there's like early on, there's uh, a thing where it's uh, the narrator says, well, there's no way to understand this story without understanding Jean and her ceramics. So get ready, right. here it comes. You know, right. like, get ready, here comes <laughs> ceramics. You know, like, I need to brace myself for that. And, and, and to me, there's something that that strikes me as as Canadian. There's sort of a dry humor about like that. Get ready, I'm about to hit you with something as startling and difficult to absorb as ceramics.
5: Well, Gene ceramics are particularly um, involved. True, true. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, I, I I can see I'm getting nowhere. I, I'll just say one last thing.
5: <laughs> I'll indulge <laughs> you as much as you want. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, but that's well, so Canadian to indulge me when
0: I'm being am yeah. being <laughs> a jerk. Let, think, let, yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about that for a minute uh, yeah. if we can. Yeah, uh, let's. Joe Joe mentioned uh, the the whole thing about uh, you know living beside America is like uh, sleeping beside an elephant. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the foundation of a lot of our uh, Canadian humor is is rooted in good manners. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of things, as, as as your neighbors, that we are required to have good manners about. You know, there's a, a couple of examples, perhaps. Um, we were involved in some pretty heavy fights in the last century, two world wars. And, you know, by all accounts, uh, the Americans showed up for those fights just a little bit late. So um, as much as we love you, uh, we're required to have good manners about that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> your, your approach to Cuba is a little different than our country's approach to Cuba. We're down there pretty well all the time, although I'm told that it's filled with Americans now as well. But, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, nationalizing American industry in Cuba, I mean, a lot of that happened to a lot of the founding fathers of Canada who came north after the American Revolution because they were kicked out of your country. So that's another reason why we have to have good manners in relationship to our neighbors down the south. So as much as we love them, I think there's a little bit of a... Uh, not a paranoia, but we we have to be careful, and so it's easiest to, to try to to uh, couch that in humor. And I think that's a, a foundation for a lot of how you uh, always hear about Canadians being uh, overly apologetic and and saying sorry when oh, sorry is not asked for or even required. And I think the some of that comes from uh, the our elephant next door.
5: We just, it's, we know our place. <laughs> um, we, we make no assumptions. And, um, uh, right. you know, the Americans uh, uh, have a lot of money and they're louder than us. And so we just let them have the stage and we are happy to stand in uh, the shadows and smile and, you know. And make jokes. And make jokes at yeah. them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's right. and, and when uh, our prime minister is, is rattling his saber at, at Putin over in Russia, uh, we sure as hell hope he's had some kind of conversation with President Obama before he starts doing that. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you well, know, we
4: elected yeah. Mayor Rob Ford, by the way. So. I know.
2: I was going to come to that. We do was, have a sense of humor. Yeah. I was going to get on a certain kind of ground with you guys before I even said the words Rob Ford. <laughs> but then then, then, <laughs> then you said that. I, I, I felt uh, that would be brashly American to bring him up too early. So let's get Andrew Clark into this conversation. Because uh, you know, uh, let's talk about that quivering, vibrating border that they're talking about. The uh, the the ways in which maybe a certain Canadian style uh, has to do with looking at this not just an elephant, but a garish, trumpeting. <laughs> You know, thundering elephant to, to the south, and, and then trying to come a, kind of come up with some kind of verbal style that responds uh, appropriately to that elephant. Um, Andrew, I, as you're listening to them talk, I mean, what do you think what what does that trigger in you?
1: Well, it's interesting because i I wouldn't classify Canadian literature as particularly funny. In fact, if you put Will Ferguson on this panel, you'd probably have every funny Canadian author <laughs> writing today on the show Uh, Canadian literature is generally not that funny whereas stand-up Canadian performance comedy is a thing that's really, uh, if you want to talk about stuff penetrating the American uh, culture and psyche it's been uh, sketch comedians like uh, the uh, great SCTV or the kids in the hall in the 90s Uh, Wayne and Schuster, who were on the Ed Sullivan Sullivan show more than any other, you know, comedy uh, troupe or performer, or or a guy like uh, Lorne Michaels, who, you know, creates Saturday Night Live and changes comedy, not only in North America, but everywhere for good. So, you know, there's a streak of humor, I think, in Canadian literature. But if you looked at everything that's published, I'd say, actually, most Canadian literature isn't very funny. In fact, the one thing that unites it is it's incredibly depressing and always happens (laughs) by a lake.
2: And we're going to get calls from a um, call from Margaret Atwood at some point today uh, about all this. But, <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, um, well, you know, I, but I just want to st- pause for a moment about this. I mean, Andrew, is there I remember when I first started watching SCTV, I remember, which for people who have no familiarity I, of it, spawned gave us. Rick Moranis and John Candy and Andrea Martin and, and Kath, uh, Catherine O'Hara and, I mean, all these fabulous comic talents. But the, when I first started watching, I, I was thinking there's something different about this. This is this. It's different from American sketch comedy, maybe in the sense that a lot of the skits don't really exactly have punchlines. They I mean, they're really funny, but they're funny at a level that I, I think I feel like I can draw a line from that to Canadian comic fiction. Do you think I'm wrong?
1: Well, no, but what I, what I would say about SCTV is that generation of Canadian comedians, they still had a British influence, which has always been a kind of unique strain in Canadian comedy. Uh, and they grew up watching television, but basically they grew up watching American television. So you have to sort of think of it as these Canadians watching this great American experience, sort of feeling American, knowing all the American references, being very influenced uh, by American television. I mean, Lorne Michaels and his brother would get up at night and turn on the TV to see if that sort of cable, you know, they would put on a, uh, an Indian head on, on, on when they didn't have a signal to see if it was still there. So, American television is this very powerful thing. Then, when they start doing comedy in Toronto, very underground, just doing Second City, uh, which had been started first in Chicago and then transported into, uh, pardon me, started in Chicago and transported to Toronto, they basically turn the tables back on American television. So the series is the day on the, on the life of a very bad American local TV station. So you're, you're satirizing the thing that's sort of sent to you. I would almost relate it to the way when the British colonized uh, the West Indies or, or India, places like that. They brought cricket with them. And now most of these nations are really amazing uh, cricket-playing nations. In a way, the American television experience was so powerful in the 50s and 60s and 70s that the Canadians then turn around and do it back at America. And that's what allows them to make Americans laugh, because the frame of reference is the same.
2: Um, we have to take a little break here. Uh, it's not the end of our broadcast day yet, but uh, it seems appropriate, given everything Andrew just said, especially about the whole idea of Lauren Michaels turning on the TV set in the, in the middle of the night, uh, to, uh, to end this segment, anyway, with the SCTV version of the Canadian Anthem. And now, the Canadian anthem,
4: as selected by
2: Bob and Doug McKenzie. Oh, Canada.
3: Oh, Canada. Beneath it's snowing there. Yeah, you got a real
2: good snow. We're talking about Canadian humor, but never forget. Bachman, Turner Overdrive, are also Canadian. Never forget that, all right, if you know nothing else. (laughs) uh, When they slap you awake, you should know that. Uh, Joe Curtis is here with us. Uh, His books include Winter Tulips, for which he won the Stephen Leacock Award uh, for humor uh, and gratitude. Trevor Cole is here with us. He won uh, the Leacock Medal in 2011 uh, for Practical Gene. Uh, His other books, Norman Bray and the Performance of His Life, Fearsome Particles. Fred Addis is the curator of the Leacock Museum and producer of the annual Leacock Summer Festival. Andrew Clark is the author of Stand and deliver inside Canadian comedy, and he's also the director of the Humber School of Comedy at Humber College in Toronto. Uh, so everybody is in Toronto right now except me, uh, but they're all coming to Hartford except for Andrew and Fred. And Dan Needles will join uh, Trevor and Joe at the Mark Twain House on Thursday evening at 7 p.m. for Canadian
0: Humor Orama. Get ready. Fred is coming. Oh, Fred's way, coming. Too. Oh, yes. All right. Well, but then none I'm... of us. W- According to Andrew, none of us will be funny. So just be yeah. prepared. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's, that's right. Thanks, not what I said. I said you guys are you know, the funny ones. Except opposite. for the
2: people. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to, talk a little bit about the notion of otherness. And Joe Curtis, I want to talk with you, start with you about this because I think you sort of mentioned it in some of your initial comments. And it seems to me like you might be mining two or three different loads lod uh, of of otherness. There's something about Canada in Canadian literature, Canadian humor, that is exploring sort of a, a question of being other, of being different. And it sounds like also you're exploring some of your own uh, experiences of being different within that different culture.
4: That is true. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've always felt other even from myself half the time. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm from, uh, you know, I'm from Hungary. We we escaped from Hungary when I was a little kid across a minefield by night uh, into Austria. And, um, you know uh, and i've never actually felt hungarian because i'm i'm also jewish and uh and jews typically feel other uh, although they're they're much more embraced by the certainly the western world uh more and uh, and canadians be, again because of our vantage point you know we are on the quiet side of the border by for sure uh you know it, it it's uh, i've thought a lot about this actually because um you know uh, outsiders do make good comedians uh you know the irish and uh uh, homosexuals and blacks and Jews and I mean it's a it's a great uh, great source of, of a great deal of comedy and, and you know as Twain said you know the true source of of joy is not uh, sorry the true source of humor is not joy but sorrow so and that's that's uh, where that comes from that sense of not belonging never kind of being unsettled all the time and uh, and feeling displaced all the time uh, gives you a great vantage point on the world.
2: Fred Addison, if you go back as far as Leacock, do you still have that sense of otherness? Was was for him, say in 1912 or whenever, was uh, was U.S. culture so such a big elephant uh, to go back to our uh, our favorite analogy um, that he would have been sort of creating an opposite uh, kind of literature, or was it we or we just one big landmass back then?
0: Well, uh, Leacock actually attended the University of Chicago where he uh, g- got his Ph.D. degree. And and so uh, he was, as much as he is the primary promoter of uh, all the wonderful attributes of small-town life, he didn't spend a lot of time in small town himself. He was mm-hmm. uh, he taught for thirty five years at Montreal. He went to school at uh, at Chicago as well as at Toronto. So he was very much an urban guy. But he he found he mined that uh, for its uh, sentimental value and uh, and really was able to to draw on that. And it's, and it's taken Canada probably another 25, 30 years after his death to even develop a, what I would call an urban literature. Uh, and, and, and you can find that uh, Leacock ethic still very much ingrained in our communities. Uh, where I come from in Orillia, my goodness, uh, people are, are, are coming north from the greater Toronto area as they retire because they want to embrace this wonderful small town uh, ethos that is Orillia. And uh, there's, they, they come looking for that and, and Leacock was very much in the formation and creation of that. But but it, w- it was almost, in a sense, uh, artificial.
2: I want go, to go back to reading uh, my own reading of Roberts and Davies. And I, I, I would try to think about what was the magic of this? Why was this just so... Bewitching to me, um, and Trevor Cole. One thing that struck me was I felt like I was reading about a culture where really unusual things could happen because, in fact, there was sort of a confluence of a bunch of cultures. I mean, we've already touched on this a few times, but you know, there, there's a way in which the world, the Toronto that he's writing about, uh, you know, is is residually British in a lot of ways, but also not. Unaware of the United States, and but also maybe sheltered enough from all of those things, so that something really unique could be going on. I always felt like I was reading about these wildly educated, fascinating, esoteric, and exotic people. You know, who were aware of all these very cool influences and ideas. Uh, a bunch of people that I really didn't know in my own life, and I came to think of Toronto, which I've to this day never visited, as this just fabulous crossroads of all these different things. So. How hyper-romanticized is that?
5: No, I think, that's, I think that's pretty accurate. Toronto is, you know, uh, it's the most multicultural city, and in, in arguably, in the world. And, uh, and so, uh, and we're all interacting, and we're all getting along pretty well. Um, and there are influences all over the place. Uh, and, you know, uh, you see that in food, and in, and in performance, um, fashion, it's, it's, uh, it's everywhere.
2: Um, and so, Andrew Clark, I'm also wondering about that British influence in the shaping of the comedy that that, that did kind of take over America, because uh, I don't even know if we've really quite said this yet, but I mean, really, when you kind of look at it, it's not just Jim Carrey. It's It's not just SCTV. It's... I mean, it's people who came out of SCTV, like Martin Short, to have their own separate careers. I mean, I'm sure you've got the list of uh, of everybody who, who constituted that Canadian invasion. I'm wondering if some of it was that Canada was able to develop a, a comic style, a humorous style. There was a little bit of fusion of British style and then that huge American influence that was flowing over the border.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you went, you can go back, say, to vaudeville, and uh, during the First World War... Uh, The Canadian soldiers, uh, like many in the British Army, put on concert parties, so the soldiers entertaining uh, other soldiers doing drag and comedy and music. And out of that experience, uh, there came a troupe called the Dumbbells, uh, who eventually became the first sort of Canadian hit on Broadway in 1921 after the war. And the equation that they did use was British Music Hall uh, plus American vaudeville plus a, kind of what I would describe as a kind of a unique Canadian fatalism. I think when you look at <laughs> Canada, you know, there's a, a fatalism there because the, the geography is so powerful. It really can't be conquered. You know, in America, you had this idea of winning the West, the new frontier, conquering this land. In Canada, you, you can't delude yourself. Uh, the, the geography and the climate is too daunting. And that sort of fatalism, when you see it refracted, through something like the First World War, makes for a very interesting, dark satire. So that is kind of the equation. It's sort of British-American, and then this strange Canadian quality, which the other panelists have been alluding to, uh, that gives it that. And then as you trace the people who've worked, that's the people who are doing that. Lauren Michaels, for instance, is the same thing. He grows up uh, dating and eventually marrying the daughter of Frank Schuster, who was of Wayne and Schuster. So he's getting his Canadian comedy literally at the, at the dinner table, visiting them, he spends time in England watching the pythons, and he adores American shows like uh, Sid Caesar, for instance. And then so when he goes to create this sort of late-night show, it's this amalgam. So I think that's the thing running through. You can see it with the great Mike Myers. It's that template. Now, I do think that's changing because Canada's changed, and the British influence is, is nothing like it was even in, say, the 80s. That has changed a lot, and so Canadian comedy is going to change with that. But I think that's been a pattern over the years.
2: Yeah, I feel as though my introduction to that kind of Canadian comedy was it really was. If you even think about what Saturday Night Live was the first time you saw it, it was really a different kind of comedy than what I'd seen. It 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 really represented some new flavor. And and then if you go to SCTV from that, I mean, a real completely different style and, and rhythm to comedy. And and there, it wasn't. I, I don't think anyway. You know, any particular set of uh, any, any particular kind of commentary on Canada itself or the United States or what that relationship is. I hear that more these days. I mean, there are com- uh, Canadian comedians now like Russell Peters. Uh, who are really kind of tapping into that question of what does it mean to be Canadian? What's the difference between you guys and us? What's the difference between, at a very Joe Curtis level, being you know um, uh, from uh, being from an Indian family living in Canada and dealing with all that? Andrew Clark, it seems to me that I'm hearing a little bit more of that very kind of openly stated. Uh, set of questions about nationality. And
1: that's part of the change. Stand-up comedy is a uniquely American invention. It's like jazz, I would say, in terms of America's contrib- great contribution to you know the performing arts. And so in Canada, that starts a little later in the 70s because the idea to sort of stand up and say, I object, and the individual's rights versus the g- collective rights, in America, that's quite sacred if you look at the Constitution. that's I, I believe it's fair to say that the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's an individual thing. In Canada, there's more of this idea of a collective thing. Um, and can I, can I just jump in and say... Government. So you don't really see Canadians until sort of late 60s and 70s with people like Mort Saul, uh, David Steinberg, and now you see a lot more Canadians doing stand-up. So in a way, I think it's evidence of Canada becoming more American, quite frankly. And And Canadians are both... Uh, uncomfortable with and excited by the idea of being "quote unquote" more American, um, you know. And, and you know, Canadians are people who keep lists of all the famous Canadians in in America, you know. And it's not really <laughs> the other way around. But I think now with a, someone like Nathan Fielder, who who is a Humber uh, Comedy School graduate, who has his own show, Nathan for You, and is doing very sort of brash sort of comedy pranks that are smart, but they're not cruel. Maybe that's somewhat of, an, of a Canadian thing. But again, you know, everybody goes to either New York or Los Angeles. Not everybody, but those in comedy, that's eventually where they want to be, whether they're from Australia or Canada or what have you, because that's where you get. That's the big sandbox as opposed to the small sandbox.
2: Trevor you I think you had something there.
5: Yeah, I, I just wanted to say I think sketch comedy comes much more naturally to Canadians than uh, stand-up. It's a more collaborative form, uh, and it's been going on a lot longer. There were there was something called Spring Thaw in the '60s that was a touring uh, comedy show that was you know kind of a forerunner uh, to um, uh, Second City, and uh, my father was a performer in that. And I think there's a reason why. Things like SCTV uh, have been so successful, why Lauren Michaels has been so successful. There's a real sketch comedy um, foundation in Canadian performing.
2: Actually, uh, as you were describing that Nathan Fielder thing, Andrew, I was uh, remembering that on SCTV, I think they, they did have a, a sketch, uh, a pretend show that was something called something like Canadian Gaffs and Practical Misadventures or something, and it was obviously sort of a spoof of these American sort of gaffs and bloopers and practical joke shows, except it was, it was these very formal things where someone would slowly walk up to somebody's doorbell and ring it and kind of slowly walk away and stand in the bushes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no,
1: there, there, there's that. Uh, I mean, I think the other thing is Canadians like to consider themselves to be nice, well-mannered, right. uh, yet when you look at our favorite national sport, it's hockey. I don't think of hockey as nice.
2: No, it's all going to come out somewhere. Though. You, you it's need the, the only sport yeah.
1: besides boxing where fighting is a part of the sport. And even when you look at the government, I mean, we have a, a, a federal government here that is doing stuff so right-wing that the Republican Party, even in it's, its wildest, most wonderful dream, couldn't imagine doing
2: well, we so don't want to know about that. We want, sort of we, idea, don't don't uh, burst yeah, our bubble. Really nice, yeah. but mm,
1: not so much. <laughs>
2: yeah, don't burst our bubble. I, we can't take it. All right, we need to take a, take a quick break here, come back um, for our, our third and final segment here. I didn't feel as though the, Connecticut Nas- the, the Canadian National Anthem thing went that well um, last time. Do you have anything else, Wolfie, that you could play that's sort of Canadian National anthem We're good with sound? Yep. Dr. Shetner. Yep. Dr. Shatner? Okay, Bill, let's uh, walk it through.
5: Okay. Oh, Canada. Our home. And, what are you doing? Uh, with
1: what?
2: No, uh, with the words. It sounds... You're speaking it.
1: I'm singing. it. Is that how I sing?
2: Just, uh, like, oh... Oh, Canada. No, can oh. you do it, um... Sure, no, no. Can you do the, like, melody, like, uh... Oh,
5: Canada... Oh, Canada. Yeah, that's no, no, it's that good. Sounds, no, no, that's, no. But that sounds sad. Oh, it's sad.
3: Why are we being so nice to these Canadians? I mean, Justin Bieber and Nickelback, come on. What have they ever given us that really matters? Oh, you going to Tim Hortons? Yeah? Pick me up a double double and a sour cream plane, eh? Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our pretty decent intern is Allison Ehrenreich. Shoot! Shoot! How are you going to score a goal if you don't shoot? Greg Hill appeared in our intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin. The part of Bill Curry was played by John Candy. For show pages, articles, and the Faith Middleton Show staff's recipes for back bacon and boiled potatoes, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, the challenges faced by young black men. And now, back to Colin. Shoot!
2: So uh, we're back. Uh, With us are are people in various ways exploring the uh, humorous and comic traditions uh, of Canada. Uh, Joe Curtis is with us. Uh, He's the author of many books, including Gratitude and Winter Tulips. Trevor Cole, author of many books, including Practical Gene and Fearsome Particles. Fred Addis is the curator of the Leacock Museum and producer of the annual Leacock Summer Festival that celebrates the, uh, the seminal work of Stephen Leacock, who's sort of the the, um, uh, I don't know, he's the Tigress and Euphrates of, of uh, Canadian comic <laughs> humor. I think that was a pretty bad analogy. remember that phrase. All right. And yeah. Andrew Clark is the author of Stand and Deliver Inside Canadian Comedy. Uh, he's also the director of the Humber School of Comedy at Humber College in uh, Toronto. Um, I can't even remember wh- where who said this phrase last time, but I really I, I glommed onto it. Um, this uh, notion of dark fatalism um, and that... that I feel that that's that's sort of one of the kind of interesting comic tensions too. And and I kind of wonder where it comes from. I mean, one of you was saying, well, some of it's just from the landscape. There's something kind of overpowering uh, about the landscape and about the sense that eventually we're all going to freeze to death or, or something. Um, but I think it's more than that. I wonder if it's also not a little bit the Scottish tradition. I mean, we've talked about British as though it were really one tradition, but there are there are a lot, my sense is there are a lot of Scots uh, in, in Canada. They tend to have names like Ramsey McDonald and things like that and 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 that you know I, Scots are notoriously gloomy uh, and a lot of their humor does kind of work off that um, so somebody either agree with me or get me out of this uh, and, well they're out you know
4: Scots are outsiders too this is this really is a Scottish nation a Scottish Irish nation mm. uh, they're out and that's you know that's who we are um, uh, it, it's important I think you know I don't want to make this you know t- too intellectual a uh, conversation but ah, it's public you know, radio uh, you can do that <laughs> you know, we we uh, because we Canadians have never been very nationalistic in, in in the real any real sense. I mean, I think we we actually have moved. I remember coming here and and trying to form my Canadian identity along with my pals who were Canadians and were trying to form their <laughs> identity. I think we went from a we almost went from a pre-national nation to being a post-national nation without ever stopping at national. Uh there's a so there's 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 no strong sense of of a center or, or nationhood. And so we we're, we're, you know we're we're kind of madly off in all directions. In, you know, Americans are, you probably have heard this but Americans are are often known as uh, you know Americans are the guiding force of all people who come to America and they're uh they're so America is a soup and Canada's a salad, right? I mean we we we're together and we Try to love each other. We don't always succeed, but we try to love each other. But we're not. We don't blend in, in the same uh, way. And so, many, many Canadians, especially in Toronto, are hyphenated Canadians. You know, and uh, and th- there's a very real sense that that's who we
5: are. It's interesting that that commercial that you played at the very beginning. Um, uh, that was a hugely popular thing in Canada, and probably the your your listeners don't realize that that was a beer commercial. Right. Um, and uh, but the, but it it almost gave Canadians a sense that it was okay to be proud of who we were, and uh, uh, and so people really uh, latched onto that, and it was it was actually quite thrilling for me even just listening to it again.
1: Um, yeah. Moved. Yeah. Go ahead. I think the, I think the Scottish thing is definitely there. I mean, people have talked about where their ancestors are from. I mean, mine have been here for quite a while. They they were United Empire Loyalists and all the rest. And I think the one Scottish thing is this kind of dourness. I remember someone asking my grandfather sort of how his brother was, and he said, "I don't know. I wouldn't want to pry." Uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's a kind of being left alone seems to be part of the Canadian dream, which is why like the, the idea of going to the cottage or the woods is so prevalent. Having your little piece of heaven that's yours alone and you, you kind of just keep out of trouble
5: so one irony. Of the irony comes irony comes uh, naturally to Canadians because <laughs> we know it's always going to get worse Whatever it's it, however good it is it's going to get worse
2: the um yeah. the, the assignment for everybody for further meditation after this after this conversation my th- I'm thinking what is it about leaves you know Joe Curtis says it's a it's, it's a salad not a soup you got the maple leaf you got uh, Trevor's uh, protagonist she makes ceramic leaves there's something going on with leaves up there I don't quite understand what and it the is leaves on our flag too don't yeah, forget yeah exactly leafs, leaf maple, on the flag yeah. uh, so. Um, you know, I, we have a limited amount of time left, and I, I think we do just have to briefly touch on Rob Ford. Everything about Canadian humor is so understated. You know, everything about Canadian humor is, you know, I love humor that makes the consumer of the humor do a little bit of the work. You know, you 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 square you complete the square or the circle in your own mind, and then you laugh because uh, you did a little of that work. It's kind of, I mean, just is Rob Ford kind of a problem that way I mean, he doesn't really leave very much for anybody else to do because of what he's doing
4: <laughs> that's why we elected him we needed a comedian
5: at the the, the, the head of the major city in Canada in he's a source of fascination because he's such an anomaly uh, in our in our experience that uh, we're kind of appalled and, and, and fascinated at the same time
1: he by the way he, still he has me uh, the trailer park boys I don't know if you guys yeah. get that down there but it's this His idea of someone who's completely living out their id and i think we're all jealous or envious uh, what would it be like to spend a day with basically zero conscience uh, i think everyone <laughs> right, would enjoy that
4: right. well that like well, the mckenzie brothers are like that too <laughs> yeah. you know I, yeah. I you know he still he still has a core the core support of a third of the city a third that's a lot of people it's, you know it's over a million people so it's a uh, uh, it's amazing he's a phenomenon he really is it's extraordinary
2: well, and I wondered about that, too. I mean, of course, one of the most powerful ways uh, to identify— I mean, we we were talking on this station uh, um, a few weeks ago about Buddy Cianci, who was the mayor of Providence and maybe not quite at the um, at the Rob Fort level, but in a lot of ways, yes, a couple of stints in prison and, and some pretty uh, outlandish behavior. But there is that—one of the things that makes it possible for Buddy Cianci to even think about running for mayor again uh, is the sort of us-and-them mentality. Like, I, I may be— uh, a clown. I may be you know, something worse than that. But I'm yours. I'm yours and you and I identify and there's this whole o- outside world that is uh, inherently them. And I'm wondering, is, that, is there a little of that going on with uh, Rob Ford? If he can command a million uh, uh, voters' support, w- would it be a little bit of that us and them thing?
1: Yeah. They, they, when they started going after him for having too much to drink, mm-hmm. you kind of alienate a third of Canadians right there. <laughs> if you're saying hey, this guy drinks too much. There's a lot of Canadians out there who on Friday, Saturday, Thursday, they like to have a few pops. Yeah. So they're already thinking, well, geez, you know, you're attacking me. so You're absolutely right. Um, but then, then it just kind of spiraled, and he became almost like the uber-mayor. I mean, it is always mayors who seem to get up to all this crazy stuff. Right. It's Mayor Quimby on The Simpsons. I mean, there's just something about being mayor that, that makes you either become deviant or want to be deviant or you, you name it. Mm. So I think that was part of it.
2: Well, we, we're out of time here, but I just want to say this has been a wonderful experience for me, and the Canadians are all pre- pretending right now it's a wonderful experience for them. God knows what they're really thinking, and they'll say- That was terrific. We have, see? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Like the, when the mics are off, God knows what they'll say. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's been so great to talk to Joe Curtis and Trevor Cole and Fred Addis, all of whom, it turns out, will join Dan Needles uh, here at the Mark Twain House and Museum on Thursday night at 7 p.m. It's a free talk and reading. You'll hear them read from their work. Uh, you'll feel uh, as vicariously Canadian as, as, it, is, as it is possible uh, for you to feel here in Hartford. Uh, and that's at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Andrew Clark, great to talk to you. Enjoy reading your work, which runs all over the place. And, of course, author of Stand and Deliver, Inside Canadian Comedy. Thanks to everybody else who helped out with the show today, especially Wolfie, who pulled the whole thing together. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. But for now, goodbye.
0: Force the Americans to have free health care. will bring winter to Australia. Your friends will bring poutine. Then We'll conquer Britain and install our queen Where Canada rules the world Canada, Canada Where Canada rules the world Canada Where Canada rules the world Canada, Canada Where Canada rules the world Canada, Canada. Rick, editor, And we shall tell them what to do. And if they say they won't, we shall ask again politely. And if they still don't, we will tell them it's alright. We don't mean to criticize, but perhaps they would consider some form of compromise. When Canada rules the world, Canada, Canada rules the world.
3: Wolf here just a click away from enjoying the Chinook with a plate of poutine and a beaver tail with some pea meal wrapped around it, and I'll wash it down with a twofer that I got for ten bones up along Winterpeg. You got all that, eh?